0: From Washington, D.C., the swamp itself, this is the week's worst with Allen and Vadim. I'm Dr. Stephen J. Allen, Vice President and Chief Investigative Officer of the
1: Capital Research Center. And I'm Matthew Vadim, Senior Vice President of the Capital Research Center. This is our podcast in which we dig through the news
0: for stories that we think are the most outrageous, the most ridiculous, the worst. We do it so you don't have to and i'm going to start off with a look at the the fake news issue which according to the washington post is basically what got donald trump elected president and defeated Hillary Clinton and the uh, the Washington Post uh, did an article, an expose, in which they uh, they exposed a sophisticated this is a quote a sophisticated Russian propaganda campaign that created and spread misleading articles online with the goal of punishing Democrat Hillary Clinton, helping Republican Donald Trump, and undermining faith in American democracy. And my favorite part of this was uh, it characterized these stories that were being spread by the right wing. Uh, And the right-wing were spreading these stories across the internet that, quote, portrayed Clinton as a criminal, hiding potentially fatal health problems and preparing to hand control of the nation to a shadowy cabal of global financiers.
1: Which kind of sounds to me like what the truth was? I, yeah, I'm what's the controversy there?
0: Yeah, I, I know it, it's amazing that, of course, when Hillary had her uh, her collapse uh, during the ceremony regarding nine uh, eleven,
1: which which collapse was
0: that? Yeah, well, that was one of her collapses. Uh, and then that was the moment I think when people realized that they the Clinton campaign had been lying about her health problems. And then the other moment, and of course, the media played this down as much as they could, was that, remember, Hillary told the FBI she couldn't remember. Things about, uh, for example, when she was briefed about security procedures as Secretary of State. She couldn't remember these things because, you know, she had that brain injury where she hit her head and she had a blood clot on the brain. Now, when uh, people like Karl Rove, and I'm no fan of Karl Rove, but Karl Rove, when he mentioned uh, at one point uh, earlier... That uh, he believed that Hillary had suffered a traumatic brain injury. Uh, he was ripped into by the media, including even a panel on Fox News that ripped into him for
1: spreading these vile, vicious rumors, which how, of course she then confirmed. How dare, he? <laughs> how and, dare I, he? And a point that I like to make is that a lot of people don't seem to realize that she, she suffered a concussion. A concussion, by definition, is a traumatic. Brain injury. It is brain damage. The The question then becomes, is it permanent or is it temporary? But she did suffer brain damage. Right, and it was beyond, as we later learned, beyond even a concussion, uh,
0: which you're right, that alone would have been a traumatic brain injury, but the fact that she had a blood clot on the brain and then later claimed significant memory loss from that. So that's one of those things. So I guess that was just part of the stuff we were making up was that she had uh, these t- terrible health problems.
1: Uh, and then and then the... Um, uh, well, she- remember, she did brag about, during the debates with Donald Trump, she did brag, or, or after them, she did brag, well, who says I don't have stamina? I stood up there for hours <laughs> arguing with Donald Trump. And remember, when she t- appeared in front of the Benghazi Select Committee on Capitol Hill, what was it, 11 hours straight of testimony? Well, that's proof that she has stamina.
0: Ah, yes, very strong. Well, uh, the other thing uh, that, that, that's mentioned in here, one of them is that she uh, was portrayed by right wingers as a criminal, as a criminal. My goodness. Who'd have thought that Hillary would be a criminal just because she stole 66,000 government documents, put them on her private server, and then and in order to cover up a pay-for-play operation involving people who would come to meet with her at the State Department, for example, and pay her husband off with uh, $750,000 speaking fees. You know, the people who came to the State Department to meet her, according to the Associated Press, uh, in the two years for which they were able to find records, 55% of them were uh, that met with her who were from the, uh, from the private sector or the uh, non-governmental organizations and nonprofits and so on. Those people, uh, 55% of them, were contributors to the Clinton Foundation. That's an amazing coincidence. And by the way, we're not talking about those uh, little things where you send in $50 a month. We're talking about $1.5 million on average for these people who were contributors to the Clinton Foundation buying access to the Secretary of State and, they thought, the future president. So, you know, the idea that he'll—and, of course, her criminality, and I would encourage any of our listeners to go and and see a story that I did on our website uh, called The Clinton Method, where I actually went back to 1978 and showed that the methods that the Clintons used to cover up their criminality uh, have been in use by them going back that far, uh, going back to th- actually starting three weeks before Bill was even elected governor of Arkansas. That's when they started, uh, in that case, she was uh, Hillary was laundering uh, uh, payoffs from polluters in Arkansas through a commodities account so that it looked like she had turned $1,000 into $100,000 in that commodities account. So anyway, so these are all crazy right-wing stories that have no basis other than actual facts, uh, and uh, we've learned from the Washington Post this week that, uh, that these are the sort of things that were made up and were what got uh, uh, Donald Trump elected. I, some of the things, by the way, that I, I consider fake news that came out during this campaign, uh, the uh, Miss Universe uh, claiming that t- he had called her Miss Housekeeping, which as we revealed on our website, uh, that never happened. Uh, the um, uh, uh, Donald Trump Inviting Russians to hack into uh, our computer systems, which which never happened, which never happened, was repeated. Both of those things were, by the way, mentioned by Hillary during the debate. Were debating points, Uh, and uh, you could just go through one after another the things that uh, were uh, Donald Trump was accused of that never, in fact, happened. But hey, that's not fake news because that was reported
1: in real news sources
0: like the Washington Post and the New York Times.
1: Well, you know, a a topic that's been in the news a lot lately has been. Um, Trump derangement syndrome. How uh, a lot of left wingers and uh, other Hillary Clinton supporters are are actually in a state of panic right now. They're they're experiencing panic attacks, actual anxiety. And I was speaking with a friend of mine last night, who I don't wish to name, but he knows a psychiatrist who is a Clinton supporter and is actually being overwhelmed. With uh, requests for appointments uh, from like minded people who are just, who can barely sleep at night thinking about the horrors that await the nation January 20th at 12 noon when uh, the evil Donald Trump gets sworn in with the diabolical Mike Pence uh, at his side as vice president uh, and president of the United States. So it's causing a tremendous uptick in. Um, uh in in psychiatry uh and uh, uh and psychological appointments uh for people to deal with their, their 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 the these terrors that they're having and i just i feel so so sorry for these people and it's just a terrible thing and i just what can we do like maybe we should start a fundraising drive like on npr well, we certainly have to protect the snowflakes
0: uh, that uh, go to our, our colleges because uh, you know they, they, they had their professors uh, cancel exams uh, or make uh, exams be for uh, be optional uh, in the wake of this horror of uh, Donald Trump winning the election. And look, here, here's what happened.
1: Did you know he's never been elected to office before? Really? Yes. I did not
0: I did not know that. Uh, the, 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 the reason that people reacted and, and there were a lot of people I know people who reacted with horror. Uh, They were told one thing after another about Donald Trump that wasn't true. Uh, and this is the only way. The only way you get anybody to vote for someone as flawed, as dangerous as Hillary Clinton would be to make her opponent more dangerous and more flawed. Uh, and so Donald Trump, who in uh, 36 years or more uh, in the real estate business in New York, uh, had never been seen as a racist or an anti-Semite. Uh, I remember uh, just recently I saw an episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with special guest star Donald Trump, and it was all about how what a great guy Donald Trump was. Apparently, this racist this thing wasn't known i guess then and of course he was this anti-semite even though his daughter is jewish and he was involved obviously in, in new york with a lot of people who were jewish in the, in the uh, real estate business and, and 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 somehow this never they just it just never occurred to them that he was like this because of course this was all made up there were even some writers uh, the writer from Slate magazine, the principal political writer, actually wrote an article about a year, year and a half ago, about how Donald Trump was unlikely to be the Republican nominee because he was just too moderate. And then the same writer writes an article after the
1: election about how Trump is basically the new Hitler. <laughs> and so, well, speaking of uh, Hitler and uh, overusing accusations that somebody's Hitler. Uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center has a new report out called The Trump Effect, in which it claims to have surveyed thousands of school teachers across the nation. And and who to thunk it? They also are terrified, <laughs> and their students are terrified uh, about uh, the incoming Trump administration. Um, and they are... Uh, uh, they want to... Uh, help teachers cope with the so-called Trump effect, and they want to uh, encourage them to teach their students um, to resist Donald Trump, to, to identify him, to name him as, an, as their enemy and, uh, so that they can fight him. And this is the same Southern Poverty Law Center that's been saying that there's a Ku Klux Klansman under every bed for the last few decades, even though there's only a handful of those losers left mostly, um, uh, old, uh, uh fat, uh, uh, uh toothed, uh, toothless guys living in their grandmother's basements, um, or their mother's basements. And they, they you know, they've hyped this sort of thing for year and years, and they've actually taken a lot of heat, even from people on the left, like the nation, which has called them a bunch of scam artists and, uh, hucksters. So yeah, the Southern
0: Property Law Center is something that I uh, go back many years with, uh, uh, because you're like, from Alabama, I'm from Alabama originally, and they, and of course that's where they were based. And I remember when that was a perfectly legitimate group, when they did great work exposing uh, people like the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, and uh, but now they've d- just descended into this uh, panic organization. Hundreds of reports of Islamophobia, and then you start looking into individual cases, and you find out that uh, at least half of them are, are uh, they, where you can determine whether they happened or not, are, are made up, and they're often things like someone reporting that they were in line at a coffee shop, and someone uh, maybe noticed that they were wearing uh, 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 the clothing associated with uh, Islam, and, and that someone would then make a, a an anti-Muslim comment. Uh, and it's just one person's word, and it, and it may be true, uh, but the thing is, they're putting that in the same category as the things that were done, the real, real horrors that occurred, and I remember these from my childhood, uh, during the days of the Civil Rights Movement in the South, when when people were, when you would take, you know, the, the, the Klan types would take voter registration workers, and they would Put them into landfills, and you cannot compare those two. And and to to just have a, a a list of hundreds of these things, and then you check into them, and you find out they're they're not really re- real, or they're so insignificant. Uh, it's uh it's just sad. You know, one of the things that the Southern Poverty Law Center was responsible for was uh, this uh, terrorist who attacked the. Uh, Family uh, Research Council, and uh, now that's a, a social conservative group. Are you talking know.
1: about f- the assailant was Floyd Corkins? Yeah, and
0: and had package had uh, uh, Chick Fil A sandwiches, and his intention was to kill everybody there. Uh, and then uh, put a Chick-fil-A sandwich on them. That was a reference to how Th- one of the uh, uh, officials of Chick-fil-A had had expressed support for, or opposition, I should say, to same-sex marriage, and uh, that therefore Chick-fil-A was this terrible, monstrous uh, organization associated with Christians, uh, and uh, they, he was going to kill everybody there and drop these Chick-fil-A sandwiches on them. Fortunately, there was, I believe, a security guard who stopped him and saved the day. Uh, but and, uh, and who took a bullet in doing so, but yeah, he survived. Yeah. And of course, the, the the left then tried to say this wasn't a terrorist attack uh, when it met uh, the definition, obviously, to, of a of a terrorist attack. When you attack people for their political views, that's one of the definitions of a of a terrorist attack. But this is what in, in SP uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center never really took responsibility for that. They never dialed it back. They they dialed it up, and they only dialed it up even more. As we got through this, uh, this political, and
1: they're pandemic. really all about fundraising. They don't. They do relatively little considering how much money they have. The last time I researched the Southern Poverty Law Center, they had more than a third of a billion dollars um, in assets. Okay, it was more than three hundred and thirty uh, million dollars, which is just obscene for. Um, uh, you know, a relatively inactive nonprofit like that, and they also have suspicious bank accounts offshore. Uh, I think one of the countries was the Cayman Islands. So you have to wonder, you know, unless they're doing missionary work, why are they stashing all that money down there, and why do they need all that money? Shouldn't they be using it to 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 further their cause instead of just stockpiling it? Yeah, the, 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 it's a very suspicious, sleazy organization. And uh, which shouldn't surprise anyone because it was started by a big con man named Morris Dees a civil rights lawyer man, right, who was uh, the fundraiser for the McGovern
0: campaign in 1972 so he's long been involved in, in Democratic Party left-wing politics. Uh, the, uh, you know it, the thing about Southern Poverty Law Center and groups like that is they mainly serve to, provide uh, a quote to the news media. So you'll have a reporter who wants to say something about the people that reporter disagrees with, and can always go to the Southern Poverty Law Center and find the, the the quote, and and that's that's how they get their publicity. And then people see people who are potential contributors to that sort of thing. They see the the name on the TV screen, uh, in the newspaper, and uh, they hear it. And that's that's the group then that they contribute to, and they keep doing this uh, even long after the group has uh, served, outlived its useful purpose. It's a legitimate purpose. Uh, but, you know, part of the. Uh, reaction to uh, Trump has been uh, and, and that we've seen on college campuses, as we referred to earlier. Uh, Hampshire College, uh, you may may have heard, uh, they took down the American flag from the campus because they didn't want to didn't want to offend the students. They wanted to have a safe space where the students wouldn't be uh, exposed to something as offensive as the American flag. Of course, this is not a town where they fly the UN the UN flag uh, over City Hall, and uh, where the city council voted to impeach President uh, George W. Bush. Now, of course, the, the irony is, uh, I, I haven't looked it up, but I'm guessing that they voted to impeach him over the Iraq War, which, of course, Hillary Clinton supported. Uh, so it just shows you the flexibility of the left. They can, they can flip on a dime. But that was a terrible, terrible thing that was subject to, to their vote, for impeachment of George W. Bush in the town there, uh, because, uh, because, uh, he, it was such a terrible thing, uh, that, uh, he was such a terrible president. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 that led to the flag burning discussion, uh, because you've had people burning flags in some of these protests. And of course, Donald Trump came out and said that he, uh, believed that people should go to, prison, go to jail for a year, uh, or have their citizenship uh, revoked uh, if they got caught burning the flag. Now, I don't happen to agree with that. I'm more of a uh, First Amendment absolutist than that, as uh, was uh, Justice Scalia, of course, is the fellow who uh, who wrote the uh, opinion, which said that burning the flag is as offensive and disgusting as it is. Uh, it is uh, covered under the First Amendment. It is part of free speech. But what was really interesting in the way that the media covered this issue was that For a long time, now eventually they got forced into it by by criticism, but for a long time they didn't mention the position that other people had taken on this flag-burning thing. It was only Donald Trump who's trying to take away your First Amendment rights. Donald Trump, he really doesn't believe in freedom of speech. And then finally they got around to pointing out that Hillary Clinton, in fact, had sponsored legislation... To outlaw flag burning, to put people in jail for flag burning, hundred thousand dollar fine for flag burning. Uh, would would the flag burners be considered super predators? I don't know. Uh, which of course was the thing that uh, Hillary had uh, uh, they, and the Clinton administration had talked about back in the back in the nineties that got them in some trouble with uh, with the Black Lives Matter people uh, was the reference to super predators uh, uh, in our nation's cities. But but here and in fact, forty eight of the fifty states did have laws. Uh, against flag burning at the time the Supreme, Supreme Court struck it down. So, so again, I dis- disagree with that position, but it's certainly not a, a nutty position. It's not one where you're waging war on the First Amendment if you, if you take that position. And yet they, they presented Donald Trump that way, and then only later uh, were they forced into mentioning that Hillary Clinton and a lot of other people uh, had taken the same position.
1: Right. Now, switching to a different topic, uh, I've been reading lately that uh, top Hillary Clinton aide, Huma Abedin, who has scary ties to the Muslim Brotherhood, but that's not at issue here, that Huma Abedin is is living, again, question mark, with her husband, um, Sleazeball, former Congressman Anthony Weiner. This is the man who likes to send pictures of his Weiner over the internet. To other, uh, to wimp to women who, for some reason, actually re- respond to this fellow. Well, remember there
0: are always women who want to marry Charles Manson or uh, other, you know, in serial killers. They,
1: they right. Women, some
0: women uh, they're attracted to. Fellows well, like he's that.
1: also being investigated by by um, child custody services in the city of New York. We sent out a picture while he was. Um, uh, engaged in one of these sexting conversations, and there's his like little boy sitting beside him on the bed, and it's just, it's just, it's so creepy. It's hard to believe, but you know these are left wingers, so I guess we have to believe it. Um, at the time, things were really building up. This was during the summer. This was in late August, and Huma Abedin was constantly in the news. She had been testifying uh, regarding the Clinton um, email scandal and uh, related topics, and the separation that they announced at the very end of August always struck me as a little too convenient. It was too cute. Um, this is a woman who's a hardcore political animal, as is her husband, uh, former Congressman Weiner, Who was the uh, youngest person ever elected to the New York City Council, for example. Right. So he's a keener. This is not a guy who's like going to go away easily. It's not going to fade into the night uh, too easily. Um, as demonstrated by his run, I guess it was two years ago, unsuccessful run for mayor of uh, the city of New York. Um, I was thinking at the time that uh, the breakup may have been staged. I know that sounds like a wacky conspiracy theory, but Hillary Clinton is, is so calculating, I would not be surprised if, if she asked the two to pretend to separate in order, uh, and you remember Huma Abedin said at the time, I wish at this time that people, the press would respect our privacy. It was a way to deflect criticism and to take the focus off of uh, Huma Abedin. And Clinton hoped, and I guess she, she, she gambled and got, and lost, that uh, reporters were, were going to stop talking about the in, the email server scandal. So was the breakup fake? I don't know.
0: Well, the thing, the thing about that is, and, and this is something that anybody who's around politics long enough realizes, and that is a lot of people's personal lives that's presented to the public um, is just fake. Uh, and and you, usually we'll see this in, in, in the case of, say, the Clintons or uh, FDR and Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, people who, uh, in, in case of married couples, people who had been separated for decades, even, uh, and yet presented themselves as a, as a loving couple. You remember the the, the case of uh, during the various Clinton scandals when they made sh- they staged these pictures of Bill on the beach with Hillary dancing with her. Uh, and, and oh, audition- it's just that uh, what, everlasting what, what a, love affair. Right, exactly, and and anybody who knows them knows that. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's totally fake. And, uh, the, uh, and, and so, you know, I absolutely have no, I'm not saying that it's true or not true. The fact that the, there are these reports that they're back together, back together if they were ever separated. Uh, if you look at the, look at the movie, there's a, a very good documentary, uh, called Wiener. Uh, it's playing on, I believe it's HBO now.
1: So now we can all look at Wiener? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's and, great. Uh,
0: and what it shows is that you know the guy is a, is is a pathological liar. Uh, and he, there are instances in this uh, in in this movie, uh, which is uh, very well done. There are instances where you see him lying almost for no reason, just sort of lying to be lying. Something where he's going to get caught within a few minutes of telling the lie, and yet he persists in the lie. And there's something. Is there something in the psychology of someone like Huma Abedin uh, that uh, attracts her to an Anthony Weiner and a Hillary Clinton? <laughs> remember, these are the two, peop- the main people uh, in her in her life. Uh, at least adults uh, are uh, are are pathological liars.
1: Maybe there's a codependency problem there.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's something, and, and it, it is a common problem in politics. Uh, the number of people that I can think of in politics who just lie, 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 lie for the sake of lying, uh, although obviously uh, very few rise to the level or sink to the level of, uh, of, of Hillary Clinton and, uh, and Anthony Weiner. That's, uh, and by the way, uh, Anthony Weiner was a very important part of the Clinton political operation. Uh, the intention was, before he got caught up in all this scandal stuff, was that he was going to be the mayor of New York, and he probably would have been the mayor of New York. Remember, uh, when he got into the into the mayor's race, even after the first wave of the scandal, he was still the front runner for a while. So, had there been no scandal, most likely he would have been elected mayor of New York, and that would have put New York City uh, under the control, direct control of the Clinton organization, just as the state of Virginia. Is now with uh, Terry McAuliffe, who was Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign chair and is generally considered, you know, one of the top operatives in the in the Clinton it's organization. It's amazing His he hasn't been indicted for racketeering, isn't it? Oh, uh, and I've written many times, and we can talk about it on a later program of the uh, the various things that uh, that uh, particularly involving the Chinese that uh, Terry McAuliffe has been involved in, the various scandals that he's been involved in, and some involving uh, Hillary's brother. So uh, let me let me one one other thing this week that was really really bad, and that was the praise for Castro. You know, there was a, there was a group Campus Reform that went down and filmed students at American University, which is just a, a few blocks from us here in in Washington, and uh, asked students. Who, was, who, who did they like better? Did they like Castro better or Donald Trump? And, of course, the reaction was uh, that uh, most of them liked, uh, liked Castro better. Uh, and this is a man who was one of the great mass murderers who, uh, in the Soviet Empire, his role was to send the troops. He would take his own young men from his country, and he would send them to countries uh, uh, in in Africa, in South America, and and around the world. And they would be the troops of the Soviet Empire. They would die on the front lines, and he didn't care. And now, and he pres- he presided over a a country where uh, well, right now people make on average about twenty dollars a month, uh, and of course, the Obama administration had just opened up Cuba to uh, trade with America, which means essentially American companies uh, being able to take advantage of slave labor uh, in Cuba as they are able to take advantage of slave labor slave labor in uh, China and in uh, Vietnam and in other uh, communist countries. Uh, really, just an outrage. And, you know, it, uh, these uh, people are rightly concerned about uh, taking the names off of buildings of people who made money from the slave business in the United States, and I, I actually support that. Uh, but... Uh, they're doing it right now, and nobody seems to notice, which is that we're having uh, companies... I mean, I love that my iPhone is cheap, but my iPhone is cheap largely because of slave labor slave labor in, uh, in, in China. Uh, and you have uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, you know, at the uh, of the 49ers. Uh, this is the latest outrage from him, and that is uh, wearing a shirt with Castro on it. And you had uh, people He like, just seems to
1: have... Colin Kaepernick just seems to have a knack for doing the wrong thing every time. He's very much like President Obama in a way. Yeah, uh,
0: just uh, a horrible, horrible person. And, uh, you know, what do you do about somebody like that? But but she also had quotes like uh, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of, of Canada. That's that's uh, f- the, the land from which you hail. Canada. And, uh, yeah, yes. Canada. And uh, he called Castro a remarkable leader with the uh, Tremendous dedication and love for the Cuban people. And uh, the Secretary General of the United Nations called him a strong voice for social justice. This is a guy who, like... Put well, gay- that
1: that part is accurate because social justice is evil. Well,
0: that's true. That's true. Uh, and uh, here's a guy who you know, put put gays in concentration camps, that sort of thing. It just absolutely made... You know, and, and, and the way the left covers these things up, is we were talking before, I remember in the 80s, there was an effort to... Uh, there was a plan to show a documentary in... Washington in Georgetown at a theater there that I often went to uh, went there for to see my movies and the uh, and and the documentary was about uh, Castro's mistreatment of of gays and just horrific in ways beyond imagining uh, and the leftists in Washington blocked that from being shown they managed to keep that ever from being shown it was a little bit of a controversy back uh, back in the eighties about that uh, but they kept it out they censored it uh, and that's what they uh, because Castro's always their guy isn't he.
1: It's amazing how much the, the, the residual love is there uh, among uh, even relatively mainstream figures on the left, like the Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr. Uh, put out a gushing tribute to Castro when he died and hailed him for all of his alleged accomplishments. Um, you know. And even Obama couldn't say very much about him in an, uh, a somewhat diplomatic statement that he made when Cuba... Uh, when Cuba announced that Fidel Castro was dead. uh, He acknowledged that there were controversies um, and that Castro, you know, had some problems, but he didn't come out and condemn him. And it was uh, really refreshing uh, to see President-elect Trump condemn him immediately as a brutal dictator. That was a nice thing to see. And it's something that we haven't heard out uh, out of the White House for the last eight years. Yeah, well, in fact, they're sending officials to the funeral.
0: Uh, Ben Rhodes is going. Now, Ben Rhodes, of course, was the fellow who came up with the fake Benghazi talking points, who happens to be the brother of the president of CBS News. Uh, And
1: so you you can start to see all the connections. And he He also masterminded the the plot to get the um, agreement, uh, the nuclear nonproliferation pact, the the bungled and botched nuclear nonproliferation pact. Uh, with the Islamic Republic of Iran through uh, that we know is not enforceable and that is only going to um, uh, make it easier for the mullahs of Tehran to get their hands on nuclear weapons uh, uh, that will allow them to menace Israel and possibly American interests.
0: Okay. well, that's So a- he
1: seems like the perfect guy to send to Cuba.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's our show for this week. Uh, uh, And we look forward to having you hear our show next week. (laughs) We'll be back uh, then and uh, weekly after that. And we hope you'll join us. Please follow us at the Capital Research Center on Facebook, on our YouTube channel, and at Capital Research on Twitter. I'm
1: Dr. Stephen J. Allen. And I'm Matthew Vadum. See you next time. Thanks for listening.